Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. Well, I'm excited about this new series that we're starting today called Awkward Conversations. Everybody say awkward. (laughs) Awkward. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. But man, I'm just telling you what, I just can't get over the fact we're in here like this. It's it's so crazy. This is my first sermon to preach to all of you on this stage. And like, I'll just be real. It, It feels a little surreal. Okay. It's it's amazing, and so much has had to happen so that this can happen today, and God is, God is doing something in our church, and the temptation, I think, would be today to kind of come in and say, well, we're here, we've arrived, we've made it, we've crossed the finish line, but man, I'm just telling you, this is not the finish line. This is only the starting point of what God wants to do in our church, and I mean, two and a half years of praying and planning and getting all these things in order for us to be in this room today. And so let's don't just sit back and say, Hey, we've made it. Let's make sure that we are moving forward into all that God has for us as a church. And one of the ways that we can do that is by inviting others to be a part of what is happening here at LifeGate. If God is working here, how many know we need to invite everybody that we can to be a part of it, right? And we have some amazing opportunities to do that over the next uh, few weeks. This is our soft opening today. But in three weeks, everybody say three weeks, three weeks from today, we will have our grand opening service. And I mean, that is the one that you want to invite everybody to. In fact, we're inviting the whole community. We have 50,000 mailers that are going out to our entire community. We got a billboard out here. If you have seen it to invite people, we got Facebook ads. But the number one way that we can uh, reach out to our community is you inviting someone to join you and be a part of what is happening here in the church church. And then the week after the grand opening is Easter, y'all. I'm telling you, we are only a few weeks away from Easter and Easter is the best time in the whole year to invite someone to church because there are people who will come to church on Easter who wouldn't come any other service. And so in just a few weeks from now on, on April the 20th and 21st, we have our Easter weekend. We'll have a Saturday night service and then we'll have three services on Sunday morning so that we can just make room for all of the guests and everyone's going to come to be a part. And during that time, our grand opening and then Easter, we're going to start a new series. I'll just go ahead and tell you about it now. It's called the struggle bus. How many ever been on the struggle bus before? And so we're going to talk about struggles that people face. And we'll talk about faith struggles and marriage struggles and emotional struggles and things like that. And we did this series in this time on purpose because it's a great opportunity for you to invite people that you know that may be having some of these struggles in their life. And we're going to talk about what God's word has to say about it. We've given you some invite cards at your seat. We'll do something with this at the end of the service today, but these are for you to be able to take and invite your friends to come to be a part of what God is doing here at Life. Okay, so let's jump into the message today. Awkward conversations. Let's, let's just start with a little survey. How many of you, by showing of hands today, have ever had one of those conversations where it's like, you know, I know I've got to say it. I know we got to talk about it, but there's this pit in my stomach, like I'm throwing up a little bit in my mouth. 
mouth right as I'm thinking about, like it's so anxiety filled and so awkward that I'm not really sure want to have that conversation. How many of you that raise your hand all over the room? Right, right. And I was thinking about this. We all have these conversations that we have to have from time to time in our lives that just like they just feel a little bit awkward. I think about some of the awkward conversations that I've had throughout the years or that I've been kind of concerned about throughout the years. And the first one that comes to my mind is obviously like the one that if you're a parent, you've all had this thought before. It's, it's the talk, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the birds and the bees. I try to think of, you know, all the other idioms for it. I mean, it's like, baby, we got to have the talk, right? And I thought like that I had avoided this awkward conversation because my first two children were born and they were girls. And my wife, she like just so great at handling the conversation. And I'm like, we got to dodge the bullet, you know, don't have to have that conversation until about three and a half years ago, we found out that we were not just having a, a, another baby, which well, that was a big surprise as well. That was an awkward conversation as well between me and my wife. And, and we found out we were not just having a baby, but we go and get the sonogram, you know what I'm saying? And when they told me that it was going to be a boy, I mean, the first thought that went in my mind was awesome. I got a golf partner, you know, second thought, absolute second thought that came to my mind was, oh no, I'm going to have to have the conversation. You know what I'm talking about? And we've all had awkward conversations, whether it's like, hey, I'm going to invite, you know, I'm going to ask that girl, you know, to go out with me and my palms are sweaty and I'm going to get a lump in my throat or, or maybe it's, you know, I see someone that got something in their teeth. I'm not sure whether I should tell them or not. And all of us ha- have had those awkward conversations. And what do we do when an aw- awkward conversation comes? Typically, there's a few things that we might do. I mean, first of all, uh, we might just avoid it completely, right? You know, like my son's 26. I know he hadn't had the talk yet, but I'm sure he'll figure it out. You know, I just totally avoid it. Or maybe we say, well, I'll let somebody else have it. You know, hey, my wife, she can just take care of that for me. Or, or maybe we just go, you know, hey, it's not really that important, you know, and so I'm just not going to worry about it. Or maybe we like get up the nerve and we go ahead and have the conversation, you know, but it's so bad and we feel so uncomfortable that we're like, I'm never doing that again. Right. And here's where I'm going with this, guys, is, is simply this, is that there's one awkward conversation that every single one of us as followers of Christ have to deal with from time to time in our life. And that the, one of the most anxiety-filled, awkward talks that we can have is when it comes to sharing our faith, sharing Jesus with other people who need to hear about him. And because it's so awkward, because it is so uncomfortable at times, what do we tend to do? The same thing we do with all the other awkward conversations. Either we avoid them and we're like, you know, I just don't want to do that. Or we think, hey, we'll let somebody else do that, the pastor or the missionary, or we'll just let God talk to that person, you know, because isn't that his job? Or, or maybe we even try to kind of uh, pretend like it's not a big deal and it's not really that important, even though in our hearts we know that it's important and we know people need to experience Jesus in the way that we have experienced or maybe some of us have even gotten up enough courage to go ahead and have the conversation but it was so bad and it was so uncomfortable that we think I'm never doing that again and what I want to do in this series is I want to talk about this for a minute in fact just doing a series on sharing your faith that in itself is awkward 
Like the, when I when I now say well, I'm going to talk to you about talking to people about Jesus, like all the air goes out of the room because we all in our hearts know that's something that I should do, but man, it's it's uncomfortable and it's hard. And so what I want to do in this series is I want to challenge you that this is something that God has called all of us to do as his followers. And and here's what I want to do is I don't want to guilt you. You know, I could get up here and guilt you and go, why aren't you sharing your faith? And I don't want to do that because I know that it's hard, but I want to encourage us. And I want us to look at why this is important. In fact, that's how we're going to start today. We're going to lay the groundwork and just go three things, why it's important that we would share our faith. Next week, we're going to talk about a few ways that we can share our faith with others. And then we'll wrap up the series right before our grand opening. We're talking about something that is so powerful, the power of an invitation. But today, what we're going to do is we're just going to, we're just going to jump in and we're going to look at three things, three reasons that it's important that we share our faith. If you have your notes, you can follow along and write these things down today as we go. The first one is simply this, is that the world is full of hurt. Why should we share our faith? Why should we step out even when it's uncomfortable and have that conversation with people who we need to share Jesus with? It's simply because there are people in our world who are hurting and their only hope is Jesus in their lives. And all we have to do is look around and we'll see him everywhere that we go. In fact, it reminds me of this story of these two guys in Acts chapter three, Peter and John. And, and the Bible says they're going to the temple and, and, and they're getting ready to worship. But on the way they encounter a man. And let's look what it says in Acts chapter three and verse number one. It says one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. And there was a man who was lame from birth, who was being carried to the temple gate called beautiful where there was, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when Peter and John saw him and they were about to enter, here's what he did. The Bible says he asked for money. Now, here's what I want you to see about this is that here's this man that, that is crippled. Now he's physically crippled, but guess what guys, there are people in our community all around us who, who are down and out people who are, are down and on their own. They cannot get themselves back up. People that you come into contact with Every single day on your way to work, on your way to drop off kids for school, on your way to the QT to pick up your morning coffee. Everywhere that we look, there are people all around us. Maybe there are people that are, that are financially crippled. And they're, they're struggling with the weight of the debt that they're carrying or they lost their job or they've got all these credit cards and they're just piling down upon them. And they're down and out and struggling and hurting and on their own. They can't get themselves back up. Maybe you'd look around and you'd see people who are relationally crippled, like like the relationships of their life are just weighing them down. Maybe it's in their marriage and they're struggling because, man, their marriage is not making it. And half of the people in America that get married end up in divorce. And then the other half, many of them are struggling and just trying to keep it together for the sake of, uh, of the kids. Or maybe, you know, it's just like it's just like, you know, we're still together, but we're almost just kind of like roommates and and struggling with that. Or maybe it's people are struggling with relationships and their family and, and estranged relationships and all of these things that, that weigh down on them and deep down inside their souls are crippled and hurting. Maybe if you look around, you'd see people who are struggling emotionally and man, they're dealing with discouragement or 
even depression. In fact, sales of antidepressants in America are at all time high because of the people are struggling. Maybe, maybe it's with addictions and, and all these emotional, maybe it's a spiritual struggle that they're crippled spiritually, that they're just wandering around through life with no purpose in this life. And when we look around everywhere that we go, We see people who are struggling, people who are hurting. This world that we live in is a hurting world. And here's what I want you to notice about this, about this story. The Bible says that this man who was crippled was at a gate called beautiful. Now it must've been a pretty nice place for them to name it beautiful, right? And here's what I want you to get is that you can even be in a beautiful place. I'm not talking about people living under a bridge. I'm talking about people in beautiful Burleson, Texas. People living in the nicest neighborhoods, biggest houses, driving the nicest cars, wearing the nicest clothes. But deep down inside their souls are struggling, crippled inside, hurting. You know, it's not just in a beautiful place, but look what was happening. He was at the gate of the temple. Like he was literally steps away from the church and still crippled. And here's what we got to understand, guys. Even right here in Bible Belt, Burleson, Texas, where there are churches on every single corner, where people literally live steps away. There are people that live literally steps away from LifeGate Church and yet are still struggling and hurting on the inside. Why are we called to share our faith? Because all around us, we see a world that is full of hurt. And what did Peter and John do? Well, look what it says in verse number two. And there was a man who was lame from birth and he'd carried to the temple gate, beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from and was going into the temple courts. And when they, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And look what it says in verse five or verse four. And Peter did what? Looked straight at him. As did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And verse 7 says, and taking him by the hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Now I want you to just picture this awkward conversation for just a second. (laughs) Here's a dude that has been crippled since birth. And suddenly a guy goes, hey, take my hand. You're going to get up and walk. Imagine what the crippled guy was going like. What you talking about, Willis? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I, can't, I ain't taking your hand. I had never walked in my whole life. Imagine how awkward that was for Peter and John on that day. And yet a man's life was changed simply because there was two men who were willing to be uncomfortable to have the awkward conversation that would change this man's life forever. You know, they say sharing is caring. Caring is sharing. If we really care for people, you know what we're going to do is we're going we're to share what we have, what God has done for us in the lives of others. Why do we need to share our faith? Number one is because there's a world that is hurting. But then notice number two, I want you to see because the lost are on God's heart. 
In fact, this is the whole reason that Jesus came. Look what it says in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10. I love the way it reads in the message. It says, for the son of man came to find and restore the lost. Why did Jesus come to this earth? He came because there are people who are hurting and people who are lost. And that is the priority of God's heart. So much so that he sent his son to those who are lost. In fact, Jesus tells this story that describes the father's heart for the lost to so much detail. It's a story It's called the lost son, or maybe some of you would know it as the prodigal son. I think it really ought to be the story about the loving father it really ought to be the name of the story. And many of you, you know, kind of how the story went. There was this father, he had two sons and the youngest son decided that he wanted to go off on his own and he wanted to have his inheritance, even though his father was still alive. And so he came to the, to the father, you talk about an awkward conversation there and he says dad I want my inheritance and I don't want to wait until you're gone I want it now now can you imagine how heartbreaking that must have felt for the father basically the son was saying you know what I think my life would be better off without you it'd be better if you were dead go ahead and give me my money now the bible says that even though the father's heart was broken that he loved the son And he gave him the money and the son took the money, went off to a foreign land and began to squander it on parties and drinking and women and all, all these kinds of things. But it's interesting to see the heart of the father. The heart of the father was not that he hated the son for what he did, although his heart was broken because of it. But the heart of the father was that he loved the son so much that he let him go. But he loved him so much that every day the Bible says that he stood And he waited for the son to return. Now, if you're a parent in the place, you you can kind of relate to this. Because if if you lost a child, didn't know where they were at. can Can you just imagine that that would be the number one priority of your life, right? Like I remember when I was little, uh, I'd go to the store with my mom. I was probably six or seven years old. And we'd you know, be in the grocery store or, you know, into, in Walmart or something like that. And we'd be looking at stuff. And, you know, you know how six-year-old little boys do. I, you know, I'm looking at the toys or whatever. And then I turn around and all of a sudden, mom's gone. You know, anybody ever that before? And then you're suddenly like freaking out. Where's mom? They left me. I'm going to grow up without a mom and a dad. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> And then I do what every smart six-year-old does. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. I go to the front of the building and I ask the manager, right, come on, to page mom over the intercom. And mom comes running and she's embarrassed and all that kind of stuff. And I'm scared to death. I'm crying. She's crying. The whole deal. And as scared as I am in that moment, who do you think's more scared? Me or my mom? Of course, my mom. Because she knows all that can happen. Like the priority is her son is lost. Now I can relate. We were here uh, just this week. We we're up here pretty much every night getting things ready for today. And uh, a few times I brought my son. He's three. I brought him, uh, you know, to kind of hang out. And I was babysitting while I was up here and whatever. And one time we were talking about some stuff back there. And I turned around and he's gone, you know. And then you're like, well, he's in the church. He's fine, you know. And then, but then about 30 seconds later, I'm like, Easton, where you at? And he's not coming. And then after about a, a 90 seconds, I hadn't even told my wife this stuff. So y'all, you know. <laughs> after about 90 seconds, I'm like, Easton. And then it starts getting louder, you know, like after about two minutes, Easton, where are you at? You know what I'm saying? And you're freaking out, even though I know he's somewhere in the church. And this is the heart of the father. He has children that are lost. And that is his number one priority. 
And this is why we're called to share. Because this is the heart of the father. And here's the deal. In this story, you can either, you can either be like the father who was consumed with who was missing. Or you can be like the older brother who was consumed with himself. See, in the story, the young brother left, but the older brother stayed home and he was faithful and he did what he was supposed to do. And, and, and the Bible says that his heart was like, well, wait, what about me? Like to the dad, why are you waiting on that sorry old son that left? What about me? And then when the son comes back, they throw a party and the, the older son is like, well, wait a second, I've been here the whole time. What about me? And if we're not careful as Christians, we can kind of get that heart. Wait a second. I've been faithful. I've been in church. I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. What about me? Forget about all those sinners that are out there doing what they're not supposed to do. What about me? And we can get that heart if we're not careful. In fact, if we're not careful, we could do that in this new auditorium. Because you know what's going to happen as we open this new auditorium and grand opening in a few weeks and Easter and all that? You know what's going to happen? New people are going to come to be a part of LifeGate. And that's what we're hoping. And that's exciting. But if we're not careful, we can get this mindset and this attitude that says, wait a second. Like, I've been here the whole time. And now they're just coming. And they're getting the same focus from the pastor that I got from the pastor. And you know what? They came in and they're sitting in my seats. Actually, one of the best things about a new auditorium is nobody's got a seat yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm looking around. I don't even know where y'all are at because you're not, you know, sitting in your spots. I know where Jesse is. And here's the deal. It'd be easy to go wait a minute. I've been here the whole time. I worked hard. I made this happen. I gave in that stories campaign so we could have this building. And now all these people come to our church and they wouldn't come to our church when we were in that other building. But now this place is nice and it's nice enough for them. So they're going to come and where they've been the whole time. I heard about a pastor who was a pastor of this huge church up in the Plano area. He tells a story about when they built their new auditorium. They prayed and prayed and believed that God was going to send new people. And then when they opened the new auditorium, all these new people came. And he said, you know what? Instead of being happy, I was mad. Because he was like, where were they when we were giving and praying and serving? And now we open and now they just come in and act like it's just theirs. And oh, look what we did. Where were you then? You know? (laughs) And if we're not careful, we can lose the heart of the father. For those who are lost. Why are we called to share our faith? Because there are people all around us who are hurting. Because the hurting and lost people are the heart of the Father. But then notice number three, simply because Jesus is the only hope. Man, there are people who are hopeless in this world, but guess what? Jesus is the hope. And notice I didn't just say Jesus is a hope or one of the hopes. No, Jesus is the only hope. In fact, look what the scripture says about it in Acts chapter four and verse 12. It says salvation is found in what? Everybody say it out loud. In no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The Bible tells us that we are all sinners and we have fallen short of the grace and the glory of God. And that because of our sin, we deserve to die. But guess what? There is a hope for even us that are sinners. And that is Jesus Christ, that God loved us so much that he sent us the best he had his only son to give his life for us. And that is the only hope. Salvation is found in no one else except him. And there is a world. Yeah, there is a world that is hurting and hopeless around us. But guess what? We've got the hope. And let me just, I don't want to be too blunt here today. 
And so I'm going to speak tenderly and gently for just a minute, because I know this is not a popular thing, but I, I want you to know it's true. Guys, hell is real. You don't hear that message much anymore today. But it's real. And people will really go there if they don't have a relationship with Jesus. And this is what God has called us to do. There's a world that's hurting. They're on the Father's heart. And we have the hope. That hope is Jesus. And oh man, it's, it's awkward to have those conversations. That's what God has called us to do. In fact, it reminds me of a video I saw. It's been several years ago, and I've showed it to you before, but it's probably been at least five years since we, since we showed it to you. It's, some of you have heard of, how many of you have ever heard of Penn and Teller, the magic act? And there's a guy named uh, Penn Gillette, who's one of the guys in that. And he, he's, a, he's an atheist, doesn't believe in God, still is as far as I know. But after one of his shows, um, somebody came up to him and gave him a Bible. And even though he doesn't believe in God, and, and all of that, he gets online and he shares a video log of his experience. And I just want you to hear what he has to say. Check out this video. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show. And at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, he was very complimentary about my use of language. And, um, and then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought I said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of. Uh, proselytizing and then he said I'm a businessman I'm I'm sane I'm not crazy and he looked me right in the eye and did all of this and uh, it was really wonderful I believe he knew that I was an atheist And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. 
this guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like your show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man, and... Uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave you that book. That's all I wanted to say. Wow. Do you hear those words? How much do you have to hate someone to believe and not share? It's a sobering thought. Today, I told you, I'm not going to put any guilt on you. I know it's uncomfortable for all of us. It's, diff- it's difficult for me, and I'm the pastor. But I believe that God just wants us to open our eyes and see there's a world that's hurting. And this is the priority of the Father's heart. And Jesus is the hope. And so here's what we're going to do. Two things. Write them down if you're taking notes. First one is this. We're just going to be aware. Everybody say, be aware. Just be aware. Just open your eyes and look around. That's what I hope this series will do is we're preparing for our grand opening. Just be aware. Just look around and see that there are people that are hurting around me and maybe they're an opportunity. I'm not talking about being weird like we saw on the, on the opening video. I'm just talking about just, you know, he said, Pendulette said the guy wasn't weird. He was sane. He was real. He just, and I could tell that he loved me in a loving way. As I look around, are there people that maybe God has put in my path? And here's what we do. We just start praying for them. In fact, there have been people that we've been praying for. When we were building this auditorium before the sheetrock was put up, we came out here and we wrote names of people on the wall that we were praying for that would be a part of the church as we moved into this new building. Some of you wrote those names. Others of you weren't here on that night when we did that. But you have people in your life that you know, family members, relationships with people that you know are not where they should be with God. And here's what I'm just challenging you to do. Just look around. Maybe you write it down somewhere, put it somewhere, begin to pray for them. And as you pray, God's going to open your eyes to see. Second thing is simply this, just be available. Everybody say, be available, be available. That just would, you would just say, God, I'm going to open my eyes. And as I pray for the people that as you put them in my life, I'm going to be willing to share whatever it is that you put on my heart, invite them to church, share Jesus with them, tell them my story. Next week, we're going to teach you a little bit more about some different ways that you can have these awkward conversations and share these things with people. But all of us, if we would just be like Isaiah, who just says, here I am, Lord send to me. 